Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Run. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today. But before we even get started, I want to ask you to kindly, please, folks, if you're on Facebook Live, Twitch, Periscope, uh, YouTube, or any other one of our networks, please go ahead and share this program right away. Please share it on your Instagram. Please share it on your Twitter. Please share it on your Facebook wall, your Facebook page. Please share it everywhere. We're going to have a good time today. We have a lot to cover. We have mucho to cover. AVQ is away. And here, Scott Gary. Scott Gary says, AOC's office is in another building, not in the Capitol. Some things are not adding up here. AOC described uh, Hayden and Porter's office, which is in the Longhauer building across the street from the Capitol. AOC's office is next door in the Cannon building. Neither were breached. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I really suggest you go ahead and read all the things that occurred. All these places, it's not about being breached. You had people running around this place all over the Capitol. Not only the Capitol. I don't know if you've been out there. I've been out there several times. I've done protests out there. I've been on the west side, the east side. We've done the whole works at the Capitol. And let me tell you. That place is huge, and those people were all over. They infiltrated everything, absolutely everything. And by the way, all these in, all these people that you're here talking, again, all this information is corroborated. So I don't know where you're coming from, Brother Scott Garris, but what, that terrorist attack that we had on the Capitol was just that, a terrorist attack. And I think we need to stop trying to find some sort of excuses and go out there and do what's right. Stop the terrorism from occurring in this country. Stop the domestic terrorism from occurring in this country. Anyhow, I'm going to do a quick start here. What is the story today? What is the title of the show today? Somehow the tab is incorrect, but the rest of the show is correct. Here we go. Aquí estamos. Vamos a comenzar con cómo vamos a hacer el programa. El programa hoy es AOC's Testimony. Dr. Mithili Ramakrishna, an immigrant's thoughts on insurrection and more. AOC's testimony should convince Americans that the insurrection was a terrorist attack. Dr. Mithili Ramakrishna speaks on it and more. She talks of it from something that I've spoken about. You know, I I, I predicted some of this happening, talking to folks saying this is what we're looking for. Julie Van Ostel from Lakeview, Lakeville, Minnesota. Linda Jo Kessinger. Hey, Bridge MCP, welcome aboard. AVQ, Eric Hayes. Uh, Eric AOC, I love her. I think she's one of the smartest Congress people out there right now. Young, smart, and only room to grow. Okay, Bruce Pollard. Good day, my brother. Good day, my brother. Bruce, haven't seen you in a while, my brother. we got to get together and get some coffee sometime. AVQ, when I get to New York, I'm going to take you out to coffee also. Norman Reynolds just arrived. Hey, everyone. And, of course, we have Nanette Birdsmith. Welcome aboard, my brothers and my sisters, my conservatives, my liberals, my anarchists, my... My, my socialists, my everybody that's here, love you all. And we are going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. I just got a text. Let's see who it's from. Oh, my daughter asked me if we go ahead and we put stock in black beans. And I said no. And then my wife answered and said, yes, we put chicken stock in the black beans. Linda E., welcome aboard. We're still welcoming people. Folks, as you get here, please share. I ask you so kindly if you're on on, on 
on Facebook, share it on your page, on your wall. If you're on Twitter, please go ahead and give a tweet with a link to the YouTube program. If you're on YouTube, share it on Twitter, share it on Tumblr, share it everywhere that you can as well. That is how we make a difference in the long run. They probably won't see it live, but they'll still see it. Anyhow, I want to start you with El Presidente, with a, with an inter, with, with, with a uh, the press conference yesterday that gave me hope. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. Kudos to NPR reporter Jeff Bennett. He asked the pertinent question. He asked the question that I think just about every progressive is asking and everybody who remembers 2009 and 2010. This is the question that they asked. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. The follow-up to Amish is a great question about reconciliation, and it's that the Senate Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, back in 2017 famously said, um, winners make policy, losers go home. Given that, why shouldn't Democrats, why shouldn't President Biden be as tactically ruthless as Republicans have been in, in pushing priorities that he champions? Well, I think the president has been clear that he is uh, encouraged by the pace and uh, the rapid pace, I should say, uh, that Speaker Pelosi and Senator Schumer are moving this package forward at. At the same time, as you know, there is time uh, because this this process can take a bit uh, to make changes as needed. And he wants conversations. Hence, he invited Republicans to do that uh, exactly here today. I can't speak to um, to um, Senator McConnell's uh, role or commitment or point of view or, or anything. He's certainly not asking me to be a spokesperson, uh, Lord knows. But, uh, you know, the, President uh, Biden ran on a commitment um, of, of course, unifying the country, um, but also of um, hearing from all sides and giving, uh, having in, engaging and having an opportunity to have discussions. And today is part of doing that. But remember, first and foremost... President Joe Biden's responsibility is to the people, not to Republican politicians, but to the people of America. And if we, if the past is prologue, if we remember what we went through with the stimulus in 2009, if we remember what we went through with Obamacare in 2009, Republicans simply strung you along. They simply said, uh, we want to make this change, that change, that change, and they get that change in because Democrats think we're doing the good thing, goodwill, and we're going to get some votes from these guys, and you got none. They cannot be trusted because, as Jeff Bennett said, they are tactically ruthless. Tactically ruthless. They do whatever it takes to get what they want. Three Supreme Court judges under a president that didn't even win the popular vote. And they've gotten the most out of the judiciary with minority government. Think about that. So, Jeff Bennett, Biden must be tactically ruthless. Yes, Biden must be tactically ruthless. Where do you find a status on all the stimulus? Look, uh, let's see. Where do you find a status on the $1.9 trillion that went to the, to, yeah, to the stock brokers and the, uh, and the wealthy people? Where do you find 
all the money that went to those derivatives that, that got reconstructed in AIG? Where do you find all the, the accounting for those things? I, you know, it, it, what, what irks me too many times is when we are so hard on people that are super poor or people that are, you know, skimping by or whatever. We want to know that woman that bought a piece of cheese and she used, she used her welfare check to buy one can of beer along with the cheese and the lettuce and the tomatoes and the bread and all of that. But she bought a beer. She bought a beer. But she's on... She, thank you so kindly, Brent Jacko, for becoming a new supporter. Thank you so kindly. Hey, please, guys, join Brent. Please join Brent Jetco and become a new subscriber to Politics Done Right. Join Politics Done Right. Hey, Bridge, what is it called again? The PDR Posse. And we're going to have the PDR Posse cups soon generated and created by one of our own members, Bridge MCP. She designed a new design that I'm going to implement in the cup. I'll try to do it tonight. I was kind of busy last night, Bridge, but I'll get it done. Anyhow, li- li- listen, guys. I want us. To, I, I want all of us here, conservatives, liberals, everybody, take a step back. Let's take a step back, and let me tell you what I mean by this. We have a tendency to be very hard on middle class people. We have a tendency to be very hard on poor people, and when those poor people get a little pit, a little crumb, and if they use that crumb to give them something of a little pleasure. Or something that they otherwise wouldn't have. We want to come down on him. How do you have the right to purchase that beer? How do you have a right to purchase that with that, that, that money that I gave you? I need to do a break here because we have a call. And you know you guys take precedence. Okay. Caller from 828. Come on in. Caller from 828. Come on in. Well, hey there, Egberto Willis. This is Hope in North Carolina. I hope you're having a great day. My beautiful Hope from North Carolina. How are you doing today, my dear? I'm doing great. I've just been enjoying all of your Facebook coverage and your videos. You're doing a fantastic job. Thank you so kindly. Coming from you especially, it means much. Talk to me, my friend. I just think that there's kind of a shift that's going on and in terms of wealth, and I just hope that it's not going to go the wrong way. You know, I've been trying to contact some of these Senate offices um, for Republicans in the oil and gas states and to encourage the staff to educate these senators about how, you know what, this is much bigger than anything that you're going to be able to catch in terms of electric vehicles and technology, this is such an overwhelming situation that's going to occur. And I'm so happy about it. Listen, man. I'm just so happy about it. You know, hope, we have to keep the pressure on. We have to keep working. But from your mouth, from your lips to the ethos, because you're absolutely right. And I I feel the change. And not only do I feel the change, but I also feel the change in the people that are joining the change. Because it's not just all of us progressives now. You know, I hope we have a whole lot of people that are starting to see the light. You know, um, recently there were some articles that came out that talked about a lot of Republicans renouncing their republicanism. It's not that they're renouncing their conservatism or being a Republican proper. 
It's that they're wanting something sane. And it, it, they're wanting to be able to say, you know, even if I don't agree with you 100%, I, let's, ex- let's coexist. You know what I mean? And I am starting right. to see that. And, 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 and that's good. I'm not asking anybody to become a crazy liberal like me. Well, I'm not, I don't think I'm too crazy. You think I'm too crazy, Hope? Am I too crazy? No, you're sound and you're the best liberal out there. And let me tell you the other advantage that I find now. You know, I don't have to pay attention to PBS. I don't have to pay attention to Fox every single minute now that that (laughs) nut is out of the White House. I can just turn you on and get the snippets of who did what. And I'm really grateful for that, you know, because I can listen to you here while I'm kind of doing reports and stuff and just... I'm down to about two. I'm down to about two hours of news a week, and I'd like to be less than that, other than my reading. But that's primarily what I'm using you for. So I am so grateful, and I just wanted to call and tell you that. Well, thank you so kindly, Hope. I really do appreciate that, folks. I really do, Hope. I really appreciate you. Okay. Okay. You have a great day. You too, my friend. Anyhow, my dear friends, let me tell you, it's a it's a good day. It's a good day. Listen, I, I want to go back to the poor before I get go any further. I want to go back to the poor again. We have a tendency to be very hard on poor people and on middle class people. I want you to take, a, when you go outside today or at, at 7 in the morning, look on those roads. Americans, most Americans work hard. Most Americans want to work. The loafers, the freeloaders. There are not a whole lot of people in the aggregate. There are not a lot. But the plutocracy, in order to create hate among the lower classes, they want you to believe that your hard work is going into these freeloaders. Let me tell you where your hard work is going, brothers and sisters. Your hard work isn't going to that person who is on food stamps. Your hard work is going to enrich those on the top. They are the ones that get the big cash. That $50, dollars $70, that $100 that that poor person or that person, that they, some of them may rip off. Yes, there are some welfare thieves. There are some welfare moms. They generally don't look the way that you think they do. You know, they make, them, they make the welfare mom look like this big, fat, black lady. That's generally not the welfare mom. The welfare mom is usually a syndicate. It's usually a syndicate run by somebody who knows how to do the thing. Who really knows how to profit from the welfare system? And again, so I, I, I just want all of us to, norm, to, to normalize our thinking and, and start to assign blame where it belongs. Yes, there are a few poor people that abuse the system. Yes, there are a few people that rip off the system. But most Americans want to work. Everybody in this, this, is in this room want to work. When you go out there and you go to the bus stop, you see people of all stripes. You see people of all colors, all classes, taking the bus, driving the car. They want to work. Many of those people that you're seeing there, they give you the, people have given you the impression that they don't want to work. It's not true. So I, I, this, this started with something that Eric said. Eric, the people that have benefited the most from the government are not those people on welfare. It's the upper classes who have written the laws to take care of a few. Anyway, sorry for going on that tangent. What I want to do now is play AOC. AOC did a piece that was about an a, a hour and a half long or so. 
And what I wanted to do is I, so that, you know, I, I went through that thing and I cut some of the basic pieces out to give it to you all so that, as Hope said, you don't have to spend all your time doing that because, you know, there's a lot of ah, e, ah, and, and uh, other superfluous things that, that doesn't have to be there. So what I want to do is play AOC and, uh, and then uh, we'll go from there afterwards. So let's go ahead and listen to AOC. Where are you, AOC? Let's talk to you, AOC. I love her. I interviewed her a couple of times. All of a sudden, I hear boom, 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 boom on my door. And then I hear these huge, violent bangs on my door and then every door going into my office. No voices, there were no yells, no one saying who they were, nobody identifying themselves, and just boom, boom, boom. And I, I just get up like this, and I run over to the legislative office, and I run over to G, and G just looks at me back and he just goes, hide, hide, run and hide. And so I, I run back into my office. I slam my door. There's another kind of like back area to my office. And so basically I go into the back and there's a bathroom and then there's a closet. And I jump into the bathroom and I immediately realized that I shouldn't have gone into the bathroom. I should have jumped in the closet. And so I, I opened the door when all of a sudden I hear that whoever was trying to get inside got into my office. Um, and then I realized that it's too late, that it's too late for me to get into the closet. And so I try to kind of, I go back in and I, I hide back in, um, in the bathroom behind the door. And then I just start to hear these yells of, where is she? Where is she? And I just thought to myself, they got inside. And so I hide behind my door like this. Like I'm here and the bathroom door starts going like this, like the bathroom door is behind me or rather in front of me. And I'm like this and the door hinges right here. And I just hear, where is she? Where is she? And um, this was the moment where I thought everything was over. I felt that, um, if this was the journey that my life was taking, that I felt that things were going to be okay. Um, um, and that, you know, I had fulfilled my purpose. I'm hiding in this bathroom, um, hearing these yells of these men, or just this, a man, just one man going, where is she, where is she? I start to look through the door hinge to see if I can see anything. And there's like a door here and there's like another door here. So I'm like, I'm like trying to look through two door hinges. Um, and so I look through this door hinge and I see this um, white man in a black beanie um, bump 
just like open the door of my personal office and come inside the personal office and yell again, where is she? And then all of a sudden I hear my staffer G yell out. Um, he's, he's like, hey, 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 it's okay, come out, come out. Um, and I come out and this man is a Capitol Police officer. But the story doesn't end. Um, it's a Capitol Police officer. There was no partner, was not yelling, you know, Capitol Police, et cetera, et cetera. But then what, but then it didn't feel right. Um, because he was looking at me with a tremendous amount of anger and hostility. I talked to G, my legislative director, after the fact, and he said, no, I didn't know if he was there to help us or hurt us either. And, um, and G was actually like, th this man came with so much hostility that, um, that G was sizing him up and didn't know if he was going to have to fight him. Like that is how, that is how like aggressive the situation was in that moment. And we couldn't even tell, we couldn't read if like this was a good situation or a bad situation. Um, it was so like, you know, like so many other communities in this country, like just that presence doesn't necessarily give you a clear signal if you're safe or not. And so the situation did not feel okay. And then he just looks at me and yells at me and he just goes, go down and then go to this other building. And it wasn't until we get to that building that we realize he didn't give us a specific location. Um, he didn't give us a room. He didn't give us a place to go to. He just gave us, he said, go down. He told us to go to a certain level of a certain building. And that level of that building was street level. And so we can hear, um, because the buildings were not secure yet, um, and this is around the time when the Capitol was being stormed, um, that we can like hear all of these rioters behind the glass of the doors, <laughs> you know, and we have no specific location to go to. We're in the hallway, we're in like, like the Dunkin' Donuts of the basement and we don't have any secure place to go. And so we're in just an open hallway and we hear the yells of these people trying to break into the building that we're in. And, um, and I'm just like, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go. And so I think, and there are two members of Congress that I know in that building. And I was like, let's go there. And so it literally felt like just, I don't know. It, it almost felt like a zombie movie or something. We knew that violence was expected on the 6th. We knew that that violence was predicated on someone telling the lie, the big lie about our elections. We knew all of this in advance. We knew that violence was planned for the, for the six. We knew that that violence depended on the lie, on someone upholding the lie that our elections were fraudulent.
lies that Republican secretaries of state said were a lie. Republicans had said it was a lie. Republican governors had said it was a lie, you know, etc. And these senators, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, knew that it was the lie. And they knew that these violent people needed the lie. And they chose because they thought it would be politically advantageous to them. They, they chose to tell the lie. All of these things were known in advance. And then five, six people have lost their lives. Others have lost eyes, limbs. Many more have, have been traumatized. And yet, in after all of that, after they perpetuated that lie, amplified that lie, knowing that that violence needed that lie, after they told that lie, after they saw people lose their life on the steps of the Capitol, afterwards, not even an I'm sorry, not even a I, I didn't, I didn't know that me doing this would result or contribute to this violence. And if I had known, I wouldn't do it. And I'm sorry. But no, the response in the last three, four weeks is we did the right thing. I would do it again. I don't regret it at all. And so if that is your stance for these insurrectionists and these people who incited the violence, if that's their stance, then that means they continue to be, to be a danger to their colleagues. Because what they are saying is, given those same conditions, I will choose to endanger my colleagues again for political gain. That's what they're saying. You know, when when I think about the psychosis of these people, and I'm not talking about those who were uh, hoodwinked into doing this. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about those people who know the truth and continue, just as she says, they know the truth. They know they're, they're, that election fraud didn't cost Trump the election. He just didn't win the votes. Republicans can't win a popular vote in America any longer. The policies just don't square out. It's, an, it's a near impossibility. Unless progressives don't vote. But otherwise, it's an impossibility for Republicans to win. So they are willing to destroy the country instead of modifying, moderating what they believe in, instead of coming closer to what most Americans want. So they'd rather destroy the country. The pathology behind that, think about it, brothers and sisters, the pathology that you are willing to destroy a country, you are willing to become a terrorist within your own country because you didn't get your way. And that is what makes them dangerous and that is why all those insurrectionists the ones that were the, not not i mean a, there are a lot of folks out there and like i said a lot of you get on my case for saying there are good people out there too confused thinking that somebody's taking something away that they never really had that's who they are that's who i want to reach that's why i wrote my book and by the way i'm gonna plug it right now it's worth it how to talk to your right-wing neighbors, friends, family, all of that. You know why? Because we have to do it. We have to do it. 
All of them are not crazy. All of them are not evil. All of them don't want to do what the insurrectionist, the one that wants to crack open somebody's skull, the one who knows that the truth is that Trump lost. Trump never, ever won. So I am saying, don't just look at them as crazy. They are not. It's amazing how psychology works. So folks, if you are with us, please go ahead. Click that join button and become a member of our YouTube channel. Click that join button. I need you, I need you, I need you to become a part of the Posse. What is it called again, Bridge MCP? The PDR Posse. Likewise, if you want to go ahead, uh, you can go ahead and uh, visit us. Uh, go to politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Again, that is politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. If you're not on YouTube, you can still become a part of our YouTube Posse. By doing that, if you join right now, I'll call you out in real time like I did with brother, uh, I like I did with, let me pull that brother up right now, like brother Brent Jetko, he joined today, so please go ahead and join today, I want to call you out, and likewise, you can support us via becoming a patron, since we're at the beginning of the month, it's the best time to become a patron. That's politicsdoneright.com slash patron. Patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Politicsdoneright.com slash patron. You can also become a supporter via PayPal. Politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. Politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. And if you want to stay on Facebook, I don't put this one out much because we haven't built out the group completely yet, but I'd like to get a lot of members there. You can always go to politicsdoneright.com slash Facebook. And folks, you can buy our, our goodies at our store, politicsdoneright.com slash store, politicsdoneright.com slash store. And of course, if you want to get our book on Amazon, here is the book on Amazon. That's a link to get the book on Amazon. But if you want to get it at our store, you can also get it at our store. Okay. Our next guest is Maithili Ramakrishna. She's going to talk a little bit about an immigrant perspective of the insurrection, and she's also going to introduce her new um, her new podcast called The Synaptic Explorer. Love it. Check this out. Uh, no, the show, my show is not a 501c3. I want 501c3 have restrictions as far as how what politics you can say. 501c4s have some different restrictions, but. We'll talk about that if you want to. If you want me to discuss uh, why I'm not a 501c3. Okay, let's go ahead and listen to Maithili uh, Ramakrishna. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. Today, I am honored once again in under 30 days to be with Maithili Ramakrishna for a very special reason. She started a new podcast, and let me tell you, folks. Down in the in the blog, you're going to have a link to it. I want everybody to subscribe to it. It's called the Synaptic Explorer. Dr. Maithili Ramakrishna, welcome to Politics Done Right once again. Thank you, Egberto. It's my honor. It's a pleasure talking to you as always. Well, look, let me tell you, I did a first listen of your, um, your site. I got to be honest, I didn't listen to the entire hour because it was late at night. I was pretty busy, but I just wanted to... I see how it sounded and I am, I'm, you know, I love, I love everything about your website. I love the, and it puts you into an environment that makes you ready to listen. So thank you for doing that. Oh, 
You're very kind. Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. Now, I want, but in as much as we want to talk about this new podcast that you want to do, I want to pick your brain, first of all, because on January 6th, something happened in America that I thought I would have never seen. And for those of us who are immigrants, I'm an immigrant, you're an immigrant. It was not unexpected, but at the same time, it was shocking. Why don't you tell me your first, what you felt the first time that you really understood what was happening? So, you know, I, 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 the first time I watched that, it brought back childhood memories of what happened on December 20th in India in the 1990s. Um, a group of Hindu nationalists in India uh, went to probably one of the largest masjid or, you know, uh, Muslim prayer hall and a very ancient one at it and broke it down. And we called it Black Friday. And they did it on a Friday because Muslims were praying on Friday. And you're talking about, um, you know, I often bring that comparison because I have a master's in public administration um, and I took a lot of political science classes in America. Um, and so many of my papers I have described the, you know, uh, world's oldest democracy versus world's largest democracy, right? And then, so when I watched that unfolding, that was unfolding in front of my eyes, it brought back that memory. And I have to tell you, my father, who was a staunch right-wing Hindu nationalist, was still horrified by that day's events. So I was born in a very political family. Um, my mother's side was very liberal and progressive. My father's side was very conservative ultra conservative. He was part of uh, something called RSS. Look it up. They are like, you know, they have sticks in their hands with shorts and they go every morning to exercise, but it's more, it started off more to do with discipline, but it's become so fringe today. My parents are no longer here, but I, you know, I would have loved to see what my father's reaction would have been. But I remember him being very horrified with that, you know, being that he comes from the same party that did it. And today India's ruling party is the same party. So um, was I surprised by it, Egberto? I wasn't. Um, uh, when I came to America for the first time, um, I lived in Pittsburgh and I was a Heinz fellow, a research fellow. There is a church associated with the University of Pittsburgh. What they do is they get immigrant people like me and a lot of Chinese uh, students, PhD fellows and doctors. They uh, pair us up with uh, rural families to talk about Christianity, right? And harmless, right? And these are people who are still my friends, you know? And I've gone to their houses, um, but I have seen a progressive, um, you know- Radicalization? Radicalization, that's a good word. I don't wanna use that word because one of my friends who did a bit of, my first interview was with my friend and we were delving exactly into this conversation. What she did, is a, she was a postdoctoral fellow and she was talking to Christians and Muslims post September 11 using this Harvard methodology. I won't get into it. But what was interesting is all these people are scared of the other. And she said something interesting and I, I agreed with her. I said, you know, the people who attacked that day were probably the most scared. And probably how many Muslims have you met, Egberto? She asked me that question. I come, I come from a multi, uh, you know, uh, diversity. You're talking America's diversity? You have no idea. Come to India, it's diverse to the T, yeah? And I, even I don't have as many Muslim friends. 
like, you know, I am someone who's very progressive, very whatever, you know, I always meet people. So I think she, I, I honestly think I was not surprised. I, I didn't know that it would go to that route. I was only surprised that, um, can I say this? I was surprised that the next step was not taken, you know? And, you and know why the next step was not taken? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I believe that if you, if you, if we do not look at this incident and do not understand that it is all to do with the fact that none of us know how to get, you know, she said something she described, you don't have to pull the walls between us. You have to make those uh, walls for us in terms of understanding what your perspective is, you know? And I thought that was fascinating. And that's absolutely true because I've been to these Bible studies. These are God-fearing people who are, um, who are nice, you know, but, um, you know, even within 2011 to 20, I've seen how their posts have changed. And, and this is why to me, just not talking to them or telling, you know, classifying a few people, uh, oh, you know, they're despicable people in the society. You can't do that. You really have to talk about, I, I, I understand that it was violent. I understand all of that. But you know what? I come from a country where the violence is taken, you know, we assassinated Mahatma Gandhi. Mm -hmm. It was a Hindu nationalist who, who assassinated him. But I always come back to what his process was, you know, um, would he have actually said, let me just call them despicable or let me just go understand what their issue is, you know? So that for me, why, that is why you are going to be so successful with your new podcast. Um, um, let me tell you something, Maithili, and I'm so glad that you said that, especially being a, a, a young woman. Uh, that uh, not only that, a, a young woman of col color who many times have been aggrieved by this society proper. Yeah. And the reason I'm happy to hear you say that is I, I agree with absolutely everything that you said. And I do believe that we have to engage because just keeping that separation, it just makes it worse because our people above that are taking advantage of that. In fact, a lot of times they are the drivers of that separation yeah. because if you listen to what you just told me you've known these people from your uh, from the time you came to this country and you have seen them progressively get more quote unquote not using your words radical and where did yes. that radicalization come from from good people yeah. no it came from somewhere else who used them who yeah. necessarily needed them to be radicalized i tell you something um I am in a, a several organizations that try to bring people together. One specifically called the Coffee Party, another one called the Bridge Alliance. And I'm a, on the board of directors of Coffee Party, and we were discussing this issue. And it was before January 6th. And we were in a board meeting, and I'm saying, I've seen this before. And I'm yeah. telling these folks, something is up in America, and something will happen in America. I've seen it before. And yeah. I got some pushback. And on January 6th, when this stuff exploded and we saw how bad it really got, I got an email from one of the board of directors and he said, I guess this is what you were talking about. And what I said is that here in America, we like to call ourselves exceptional. And we think that there's something special about us where our humanity behaves differently than the humanity in Panama or India or elsewhere. And the truth of the right. matter is humans behave the same kind of, generally speaking. Oh, yeah. 
absolutely. And <coughs> you are absolutely right. And for me, I was just going to say, um, you know, the Cha Charlie Hebdo attacks in Paris. Yes, right? I remember. Yes. And then you think about all of that, you know, and I have friends living in all of these places, and you know, because I was in Britain and, you know, the accessibility to France is very close by. And so, you, you know, even in Britain, the so-called radicalization or, you know, people becoming a little more, and you're talking about a society which is atheist. There's no, like, the, the atheism in Europe is very high. It has nothing mm -hmm. to do with religious. But again, it is always coming back to, oh, why can't, like, in France, the problem is you're French. You can't be Indian French. You can't be Cameroonian French. You're French. And that, that I understand the constitution, uh, you know, the Republic of France's constitutional philosophy, but therein lies the problem if you're saying I'm opening my country for immigrants. Because if you are opening your country for immigrants, then you have to be understanding of the fact that they are coming from these African countries and that they have their own perspectives because they did not grow up in France, you know? So I have a, so I'm a constitutionalist, you know, when I did my MPA, I was educated by professors who are amazing in the United States. And, you know, they're, they're, they are true to what the constitutional philosophy is. If I, you know, what does citizenship mean? You know, we can delve into all of that, but I take that seriously. On February 4th, I'm about to become a citizen of this country. And on Jan 6th, I witnessed that. And I remember a co-resident in my hospital, an African-American woman looked at me and said, are you sure you really want to become a citizen of this country? Look what is happening. And I said, no, you know, I understand what is happening. You know, and, and the greatness of this constitution of this country is the fact that I, as an immigrant, can stand up and disagree with what is happening. And that is what is happening. We're, we're unable to, whether on the right or the left, stand up and critically analyze anything, you know. And I, I will tell you on February 4th, if I do when I do take that oath, I will be proud, but I understand what the constitutional philosophy is. And how many people have actually read all of this. And that's the problem I have. The problem I have is nobody wants to have a sustained discourse. I was, of course, I was angry. Of course, I was saddened that something like this can happen in a country that we all aspire to come here. You know, like in my own country, I can't talk about my country's anything without being arrested. I have friends who are activists who are getting arrested, you know, who are scared to even post something on their social media. But here we are in America and, and the same thing is happening. So how do you stop that? You don't stop that by completely canceling the other side. I disagree with it vehemently. I'm sure it's a very controversial comment I'm making today, but you know what? I, I am going to make it because that's not how anything works. I've seen how it works in other countries. You, you know, in, in France, you have, they have, what they've done is completely taken all the immigrants, put them in the east, Eastern part of Paris and said, oh, we won't give you jobs. We're going to discriminate you. And what's going to happen to the youth when you are, you know, when you keep pushing a community back, you know, to the wall, they're going to retaliate. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think part of that was that. And part of that was I was talking to a friend of mine in Britain and he's a socialist and he's a very vocal socialist. He hates the identity politics. And he said something interesting. He said, do you know that half those people who came to protest was not working class right wingers at all? They flew in you know, planes. This is capitalism, again, doing its job. Exactly. So you don't have working class farmers taking up weapons and saying, I'm going to take back the capital. That's right. not right. Exactly. It is a rich elite 
capitalists on the other side. So what you witnessed is capitalism to the hilt. You know, it, it, it is that thing that you witnessed. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, Trump supporters who are poor, who are fighting from paycheck to paycheck doing what they're doing. It was again, like you said, you know, a bunch of elite people, except on the other side who wanted, or I don't know which side, but wanted to take advantage of this. That is, that is, that is so true. And, and I think that is so important that we, we take a look at it critically. I had a, a, a man call, uh, he wrote the book, The Redneck Reverie. And he was on the show. He's a, he's a right winger. And uh, we went over why is it that rural folks don't vote for them. And, we, and, and you know, we, we had a great conversation. And he has a lot of real points. And I think that is where we have to go. And that's why I, that's why I, 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 want, I, want a, I want our type of dialogue to make it. It's yeah. not easy to get our type of dialogue out there because we're not trying to polarize one side or the other. We're trying to tell folks, we, you can keep your values, the good parts of your values, and, and get things done. And you can learn to listen to somebody whether you agree with them or not. And I think young people like yourself coming up and sharing that, that stuff, you, don't, I, I, you know how great it was to hear you say you're not into the cancel culture. Because I've spoken about what occurred in Berkeley, where they canceled the right-wingers from coming to speak. I want them to speak. Many times they are there, uh, some of the things that the right wingers stand for that is incorrect. Many times letting them vocalize it is its best antidote. But, you know, that is being American, right? I mean, your constitution talks about it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the value of the constitution, right? I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into how they were all slave owners. I'm not going to get into that argument because that's, that again, I have an opinion about it because they were still men of intellect, men who were forward thinkers, men who pushed the boundaries during their time. Because for me, I will tell you, 100 years from now, when they look at Maithi Ramakrishna, they'll probably say she was not as progressive. Right. Because, you know, you have to judge your time. And yes, I mean, if you're going to judge by that, Hitler was a bad person even during his time. I agree with that. But if you're going to say, I'm going to pull down, uh, you know, President Grant's statue, a man who fought for the, you know, uh, for the right side during, you know, your civil war. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not, I am not going to support that. But, but am I right that? I mean, you know, this is what I'm saying. I, the problem with all of us is that we do not know, like you said, how to dialogue. And, and you know what's and the funny is- thing about it? Uh, I don't even care. Look, you know, people put a whole lot of uh, effort into statues and pulling them down or whatever. Instead of spending <laughs> yeah. the money to pull down a statue, take the money that I would have taken to pull down a statue and go feed a few people in. in, in I, the- I agree. I said the same thing. Yeah, I am not I- into that. I am into working with people. You, you know, if I go ahead and I go to Panama and I look at every statue in Panama and I look, I mean, I, I, you would go crazy. And when it comes to the, what I do when it comes to the founding fathers is a lot of people revere the founding fathers. For me, they made an elastic clause in the constitution that allowed it to change that eventually things could change. And I don't revere them. I don't hate them. Yeah. I look at them for exactly what they were, men looking out for themselves and that yeah. we yeah, yeah, yeah. actually do things. But Absolutely. I, I want to move our subject because we're coming close on time here. And I want to talk about something called the Synaptic Explorer, conducting conversations to connect after. To, I mean, this is how you, this is how you, 
I want you guys to listen to uh, say how this, this stuff starts. It says, conducting conversations to connect after having lived and worked in three different continents and having worn many different hats in the recent past, researcher, doctor, public health professional, city planner, social entrepreneur, activist, and so on. And that is who <laughs> she is. And let me tell you, with all of that, with all of that experience, folks, the Synaptic Explorer, I want you to go ahead and listen to that thing. Why did you call it the Synaptic Explorer? Explain that to us because we're not all doctors here. What is that? <laughs> okay, but you don't have to be a doctor per se, but I will tell you, synapsis or synaptic is a Latin word. It's basically two neurons. You know, in our, in our uh, brain, when the brain has to send message to its limbs and everything, it goes through neurons. And it has these synapses or connection between two neurons. The message has to fly from one nerve to another nerve for your body to understand. So I wanted, yeah, I mean, because of my background, I wanted that. But I also wanted to add exploring because I still think in this world, I'm an explorer. I explorer of ideas, of um, you know, uh, thoughts and thought processes, because I think that democracy is definitely about conversations and definitely having sustained conversations at it. And I'm just adding my voice. And I'm, I, I started this out of a need to reconnect to all my friends, wonderful friends that I have around the world doing amazing things. And, you know, every time I get back to that place where I'm having this conversation and I feel like somebody should have recorded this because what a lot of thought came out of it. I may not have agreed with them. I may not have, you know, completely like been on the same page, but nevertheless, they've, they've sparked my inspiration. They've sparked me in the past. So I just wanted to spark and have conversations and have that voice to, for democracy somewhere, maybe this, maybe my lifetime or maybe after my lifetime, you know, because I, I heard, um, Sarah Weddington in one of the conferences that I went and she said, are you willing to leave a thumbprint? And that, that to me was like always there, you know, I always had that. And I said, am I willing? So you're willing to leave your thumbprint Egberto, through what you're doing. And, and I, and I think you do it wonderfully. And I think you have to do it. And, but the problem is how many of us are willing to go out there and do this? You know, I have right. a lot of friends right. who are shy and, you know, a lot of that, but, you know, convincing them saying, no, I want to have this conversation just for me then to reconnect. But maybe one person or two people may listen to it and, you know, have some ideas with this, you know. So Actually, quite a more, more than that. And look, I, I want to thank you, first of all, for creating that podcast. And uh, I, I, like I tell folks, it is a soothing listen to. And she has very good, the, the, the two that I've, I've scanned so far, uh, very, uh, a very good, good audience. So I uh, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Uh, we'll make sure that everybody knows how to get directly to your podcast. And please, Maithili Ramakrishna, keep up your great work. Thank you so much. As usual, you encourage people like us. And so it's because of, you know, people like you that we stand on your shoulders. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. We, that was my Tile Ramakrishna. Love her. She is great. And, and her husband as well. He writes uh, several blogs. He's very good. These are two, that, that, that couple is, are two wonderful progressives. And I, I think they do very well. Anyway, thank you guys for being here. Bridge MCP, welcome aboard Tank 28. 
Welcome aboard, AVQ. Welcome aboard, Linda E. The duck that quacks. The duck that quacks. Uh, let's see. Eric Hayes. She is smart and educated, but down to earth, which means, which makes her credible. Oh, I am impressed that you like her. Uh, you know, I, t that's what we do here, man. We bring folks together. Anyway, let's see. The duck that quacks says, just a drive-by, EW. I have nine inches of snow to shovel. I'm asking for the dark-skinned Jesus help right now. <laughs> that is funny. Okay, let's see. Bridge MCP says, impressive. I remember her from the last time. Norman says, all thumbs distinguished. Let's distinguish between cancel culture and normalizing culture. I agree with that, Norman. But then you know we are on the same wavelength. Uh, Paul Flemings. This is why Kamala Harris went to West Virginia to speak to the people without it being filtered by their representatives. They were angry with her, but the governor agreed with her. The people need help. Paul Fleming, you hit the nail on the head, brother, and that's why she had to go around that corporatist Democrat. You're absolutely right. If you check, take a look at another website that I have called uh, uh, Failed Democrats, Failed Democrats, uh, I went ahead and I had to write a post about him before because he is coming pretty damn close to a failed Democrat. But we have to coax him because I think he, if the Republican Party wasn't in as bad a shape as it is right now, he would have probably jumped ship by now, just like his governor jumped ship to Donald Trump a few days ago. He's trying to recover by coming to the people. That's why that governor, he was a, the governor of, of West Virginia was a, a, a Democrat turned Republican, Trump Republican, and now he's trying to appease his, uh, his own people. So there's a little bit of politics behind that as well. Bridge MCP has a good insight here. She says, the white-black issue here is similar to the Catholic-Protestant issue, the Irish-British in Northern Ireland. I remember that. I remember Singh Fein and all of that in those days. But there is it handled by the British Army. Scary stuff. Yep. You know, people don't realize how tough the British Army was back in those days when, when it came to issues on the, on the northern part of Ireland, right? Anyhow, um... AVQ says, when you take a look at the social media walls of one of the people you're talking to, scroll through, see how many links to hateful material there is. Ask them, why did you post this? You know, that is how you open a conversation as well, uh, AVQ. So I am with you, 100%, 100%. All right, let's see. Uh, Paul Fleming is here. Bridge MCP, I think I called you out. Nanette Birdsmith, I think I also called you out. Para ver quien más está aquí. Eric Hayes, I think I called you. Thanks for Eric Hayes. I like the conversation that you brought out today. Uh, you know, I, I you know I kind of give a little bit of uh, a wheeze to my conservative uh, brothers and sisters here as well because I love that they're here. Hey, folks! I just came up to my link. Go buy my book. I don't think I've I've gotten any sold today. No, I haven't gotten any sold today. So make my day. Buy my book. I haven't sold not ceros un poquito cero cero hoy vendí, and it's good stuff. Get it and donate it to your relative, and, you know, they'll like it. Some of them will throw it in your face and say, why did you give me this? Norman Reynolds, welcome aboard. Joseph Williams, welcome aboard. And Joseph Williams had something to say, uh, replying to Daniel Ledo. He said, let us know uh, you feel when some targets your life. Trauma is real. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, you know, many of us have to learn that the hard way, you know. Patrice Slater Lee, welcome aboard. Uh, ¿Quién más está aquí? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Daniel Ledo, welcome aboard. Uh, Nanette Birdsman, I think I called you out. Terry Robertson Elder, welcome aboard. And if I miss you, just drop me another line and I'll call you out. 
Uh, let's see who else is here real quick. Para ver quién más está aquí. If I miss you, I, I don't like missing calling people out. So just drop at the Brent Jetco. Welcome aboard. Uh, I want to salute everybody. Linda E., I think I saluted you already. Okay, I'm scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down. Uh, of course, Bridge gave us the PDR passes señal, la señal del PDR. Okay, continuing, continuing, continuing. I think I got to the top. Let me get to the bottom and see if I got any butter that I forgot. But put your name to the bottom. I want to call you out. Uh, anyhow, you wrote a book. Uh, who wrote a book? I, Bridge, you know I wrote, wrote all these books, Bridge. I thought you knew that, Bridge. You're, you're a part of the posse. The, my weight loss book, this book, it's worth it, and as I see it. <laughs> you know that, Bridge. Anyhow, folks, please go ahead, and um, I got to get out of here. It's almost 4. It is 4 o'clock. It is 4 o'clock. Anyhow, before I go, I want to give you the link one more time, please. You can get the book at Amazon. And how do you get that book at Amazon? Let me go ahead and tell you how you get that book at Amazon. Whoops, that's how you get it. That's the link there. And by the way, uh, you can also join our posse by going to politicsandright.com, YouTube.posse. Guys, I got to get out of here. Thank you so kindly for spending this time with me. I know your time is valuable. I love you all. Thank you all for being here. And who wrote those books behind me, who knows? It's a green screen. Anyhow, folks, my name is Egberto Willies. This is Politics Done Right, and you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willies. Let us engage. It is politics done right. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.